Hello, everybody. Thank you for checking out another episode of the Roots of Life podcast. We're very grateful for your support. If you want to find out any more about the show or about our platform, you can go check out rootsoflifepodcast.com. We have all our social media handles on there so you can find out everywhere that the Roots of Life podcast exists. You can also support us on Patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month. You get an extra bonus episode or other dollar amounts give you other incentives. So feel free to check that out. We are also running a very short survey for the time being. We're hoping to find out a little bit more information about who some of our listeners are and where you lay your head and everything like that. So the survey link will be in the description below. If you feel like doing that or you have a few short minutes, we would greatly appreciate it. We've got a fantastic episode today. Me and Jimmy get into some really cool topics like habits and how to form good ones, bad ones. And then we also get into conflict and conflict resolution. So we're going to get straight into the episode. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Welcome back, everybody. We are here for another fantastic episode. My name is Taylor. I am one half of the Roots of Life podcast, joined today by the one and only, he only does it all, James Fitzgerald. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 16th episode. Pretty excited for this one. Uh, today we're going to talk about some habits, um, how to create positive habits, the importance of consistency when doing so, and how to break out of some negative habits. We're also going to start talking a little bit later about conflict and conflict resolution. If you've been reading some of the episode notes, you'll know that I'm not the greatest when it comes to conflict and dealing with that. But we'll start with habits. So I know I have a lot of pretty bad habits. I stay up a little too late most nights. I don't always eat the healthiest when doing so. And I have a big problem when it comes to procrastinating doing work. For example, I think the last three blogs that I've had to write for this, I've done the night before around 10 or midnight. So those are habits that I'm trying to break out of and actually um, working towards making sure that I get my stuff done and eat healthier and not stay up in the middle of the night just watching Netflix, doing these these uh, extra extra jobs for this podcast too late kind of thing. So Jimmy, what kind of practices do you put in place to try and break those bad habits and create new ones and create healthy habits? Well, recently I've been trying to go to bed earlier so that I'm not sitting there wide awake in the middle of the night and when I'm doing that I get bored and I get hungry and that's one of those times when your body starts to crave like sugars and those th- those unhealthy foods and things like that. So I've been trying my hardest to go to bed earlier and make sure that I have everything finished for the day before I get to bed. And part of that was what we talked about last week when with the distractions. So I'm trying to distract myself less so that I can get more stuff done during the day and have everything that I need done so that I can get to bed quicker. So I have been working on consistency with that. So it's consistently making sure I'm finished what I need to be done, consistently going to bed at a good time. For me, a good time is around 10 or 11. And then 
by creating those positive habits, I find it's a lot easier to get everything done. I think you you don't stress yourself out as much. Like you, you're able to, your brain's able to rest easier when you have that sense of accomplishment when you've gotten yeah. everything done for your day, and you know, so that makes perfect sense that when you are distracted less, you work harder, and when you work harder. You're essentially, I guess, wearing yourself out, like your mental focus and your mental capacity for the day. And then essentially you just want to go to sleep sooner and then you'll get started on your day sooner and you'll develop that habit a lot better and a lot quicker. Totally. Um, So I have been reading uh, recently some of the key things to work on when you're trying to make new habits. So I'll just read out a few of those things. I have a little blog here that I've been kind of trying to stick to. So the first thing is they say to commit to 30 days. So you commit your time one whole month that you're going to try and do it every day. You try and make it daily and you try and make it simple. So you do this simple task every single day for 30 days because over 30 days, it's easier, 30 days straight, it's easier to make that habit than it is to do once a week or something like that because it's really easy to break a habit that you only do one day out of a week or one day every two weeks or once a month or whatever it is. Um, I, I don't know if I agree with that entirely. I mean, I agree with the fact of doing something 30 days in a row is going to help you form Mm-hmm. a good habit. But I also find that if I have to commit to something once a week, I'm less likely to break that because it's such a small commitment as opposed to if I'm trying to do something every day, then yeah. you know, it kind of wears you out a little bit and then you're a lot more likely to say, "Well, I did it for the past 6 days, so I don't need to do it today." And then you Sometimes, you know, you feel bad, like you Mm -hmm. end up like putting yourself down because maybe you didn't accomplish your goal of doing it every day. So sometimes I think setting smaller goals in terms of uh, those things, you know, trying to create new habits might be easier for some people. Maybe not everybody, but for some people. I know we talked about that, I think, with our resolutions earlier on in the year. We talked about trying to, to make smaller amounts of goals for for working out and instead of saying i'm going to go to the gym every single day you say i'm going to go to the gym three times a week and it's a lot easier to to give yourself that time to go and do it but from what i've been reading those uh those kind of habits are easier to break because you you don't end up forming a habit of going it's just like okay i've i've gone twice a week it's fine kind of thing this week or and then next week you're like well I went one day it's fine kind of thing that's what I've been reading but I definitely agree it's it's, it is easier to give yourself a smaller amount of time to devote to it but I think from what they're saying is that you start simple you give yourself smaller smaller tasks to work yourself up to these things but I guess obviously I'm not 100% into this yet I haven't I haven't broken any of my habits, of course, yet. So I'll see how this really works when I'm done. So, Taylor, are there any tricks that you do to try and break some of your bad habits? Interesting question. Yeah, I mean, I guess I just, when it comes to my bad habits, I have ones that I particularly think of. And I usually don't try to attack them straight on. I usually 
do some research regarding the subject and uh, I usually will find other ways to kind of influence that habit. So one that particularly pops up into my head was, you had kind of mentioned it before, was uh, late night eating. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's it's the logical answer seems to be don't eat late, right? Yeah. You know, like the or drink more water so that your cravings are lesser or, you know, eat healthier through the day so that you're not hungry. But what I did is I started doing more research into uh, what is your circadian clock. And then I developed habits trying to focus in on that. And so what I would do is I was intermittent fasting daily and I would only eat in the time that the the sun is up. And so by that, so it's a lot easier to say, well, you know, just don't eat late when, but I just wouldn't eat at all after five o'clock. And so that's just a small example of, uh, being strict on myself i guess yeah but i like that that's a really good idea actually it's a a good way to to work on your habits instead of working on that bad habit it's instead creating a a good habit that basically negates that other one yeah absolutely so that there's i think that's a great way to approach it because bad habits are hard to beat you know they're really easy to form and they're hard to overcome, but if you can create a, a new habit that is in place, like they say that with smoking, I think you know, mm-hmm. like it's it's hard to quit smoking, but if you can replace it with something, if you can replace it with a good habit, I mean, some people replace smoking with chewing gum, yeah, right, and or, it's a lot easier to quit chewing gum than it is to quit smoking. Yeah, so I think in that case, you know you're going to end up chewing a lot of gum and that might not be the best thing for you either. But that's just uh, one of the examples that came to my head. But uh, I think like you said, you know, talking about 30 days, you know, I have heard that it takes, I want to say I heard 90 days to form a habit. Hmm. So I don't know if it would be 30 days or 90 days, but I think, I think whatever it is, whether you're doing something every day or you're doing it once in a while, I think consistency is key. Mm-hmm. Like if you can do something consistently, then you can you're exercising your brain and communicating to yourself that this is something that I do. This is something that I like to do or this is something that I need to do and it's a lot easier once you just kind of get into that motion like for me like I my one of probably my best habits and one of my most consistent habits in terms of uh my different creative avenues is my morning pages when I write my journal it's I do it every day I mean close to every day you know there was that period where I would I did it for, you know, three months straight and then I got sick and I didn't do it for a week. But because I had done it for so long, so consistently, you know, that 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, whatever it might be, I developed that habit. And now when I do miss a day, I don't get down on myself for it. And it's not very often that I go more than maybe two days without writing my journal because it's just such a part of me now. It's something that I think about. It's something that I gravitate towards 
in the mornings as a form of uh, creating and setting the tone for my day and getting my energy levels up. Because I always find that as soon as I'm done that, like I'm so much more awake than I am when, you know, I initially wake up. So I think consistency definitely helps form good habits. Definitely. Um, I actually have a few rules for consistency right here. Um, what they say is your consistency allows for measurement. So being that consistent, you allow for yourself to, to measure how good you're doing, um, how much you've changed, how much you need to, 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 to continue to grow. Um, which, as you were saying with your, with your morning pages, it seems like you've realized how much easier it's gotten for you. You just know that you will get back into it even if you miss a day or two there, like when you were sick. And c- consistency creates accountability. So you, you know that you're, you're accountable for what you have to get done. You know you'll get it done because you've been consistent about it thus far. And you know that it's easy for you to continue to do so. There are a few other rules they have here, um, which I feel like these ones are more for if you're a business, where consistency establishes your reputation, um, it makes you relevant, and maintains your message. So that's like how we try and be as consistent as possible when it comes to our social media. We try and, I think it's three times a day we try and post to Instagram. I don't know how many tweets we do. Um, and we're as consistent as possible about putting out blogs and episodes each week. So those are the habits we've tried to form when it comes to this podcast. Through the consistency, it's just gotten easier and easier. And mm-hmm. no matter how busy the schedule gets, we always find a way to accomplish our goal. I think another thing that people need to really stay conscious about is when trying, if you're trying to get rid of bad habits, you know, not putting yourself in in like temptation, not putting yourself in those temptatious situations, you know, for the person who is maybe trying to cut back on drinking, maybe you shouldn't be hanging out with that friend who is enabling you and wants you to go to the bar with them and you know all those sorts of things because I think those are really hard I've been in that situation before where I started uh you know just going out too much and Mm -hmm. and then you know it's always with the one friend and then I had to find a way to cut back because it was getting infectious to my life yeah um you got to make sure that you know what your triggers are like what triggers you to, to have that smoke or or to have that drink. And in part of that is you, you have to be aware of yourself and see how you're feeling in these situations and maybe why it is that you feel you need to do that thing at the time. So it's, it's good to have um, a good look inwards as well, a good sense of self. See, and, that, and that's again where I go to the creating good habits because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to say no to drinking when you've created this exercise regime for yourself right you know so you're because you just feel good all the time and then yeah. I, like i find you know when i drink i just i feel like i get hung over so easily it sucks i hate it and it like just wears me down so fast and so and you know i always uh get those endorphin rushes from my exercise and so to go like because I've experienced such those those high highs, when yeah. I experience those lows, they just hit me so hard. 
and I and I don't like it. So you know, I've I, I replaced the unhealthy habit with a healthy one. So I think that's uh, important. And to know those triggers, you know, whether they're people or certain environments, you know, you know, if you only have, you know, if you like to eat chocolate bars at work or you only smoke on the weekend with your friends or whatever it might be, it's important to be aware of those situations because being aware of them allows you to make the decision on whether or not you're going to put yourself in that situation. And we don't always make the right decision and we will sometimes put ourselves in those situations and that's okay, but you need it, it's I think it's just good to be aware of it yeah. so that you can hopefully uh make a better decision next time. Exactly. And I mean like a relapse in one of the, whatever thing you're trying to do isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. It gives you a chance to think about why that happened to you and and work on not putting yourself in a situation like that again. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, I like to write I like to write things down as well. I like to write out my goals or like habits, you know, if I'm going to try and do something every day, write it down. Yeah. I always find that helps, you know, it helps you visualize it, right? Makes it real. It's concrete in the world at that point. Yeah, you've you've taken it from just being an idea in your head to it is a thing. It is on this piece of paper. It's real. And it makes it a lot easier to manifest in your life when it's real. You know, it's not in your imagination. Yeah. It's a real thing at that point. Totally. So. so do you think we should go for our first break? Yeah, I think so. Hopefully we've given everybody a little bit of insight or inspiration Definitely. to maybe find or maybe even just do a little self-discovery on maybe what bad habits you have because we all have them and they're different for everybody and hopefully that you can recognize that and then try and take some of our tips and tricks and form some good habits and i'll definitely be putting um all the resources that i've tried to look through uh into the blog when i get to that point it's just so that it's there for you if you'd like some more information yeah, so keep an eye out for that, and we'll be back in a moment. Thanks. It's that special time of day where we get to appreciate and acknowledge the beautiful things in the world, the pretty things in our lives. My favorite. Jimmy, I have a question for you. What is it, Taylor? What tickles your fancy? What tickles my fancy? Um, one of the things that really tickles my fancy is when I find a new recipe and I try it out. One of those things that I really like to do is cook. So when I try out a brand new recipe that I've never done before and it turns out perfect the first time, because nothing is worse than make, trying to make something delicious and then having it not turn out and it's just subpar and doesn't taste very good. Does that happen often? Which one, the not working out or the working out? Either or. I mean, which one happens more? Most of the time, what I do when I'm cooking, it works out. There have been a few times where I've made it, made it a couple bites and then just decided I can't eat it at all. Really? But that's not very often. Well, you can cook for me anytime, Jimmy. Aw, thanks. Taylor, I have a question for you. Yes. What tickles your fancy? 
<laughs> you you tickle my fancy. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, I'm not. But I've got a I've got a real what tickles my fancy today. So as I've said many many a times, I like writing things down. I think it's a great way to realize the things that you want in your life, and mm-hmm. this goes to as small as writing my to-do list for the day because then it it shows me what I want to do and it and it kind of just helps me I guess schedule my day and remi- it's I, it serves as a reminder as you know so I can finish those things and whatnot so mm-hmm. one what tickles my fancy is when I get to cross off everything on my to-do list for the day that or, is such a good feeling. Or the week or whatever, you know, if you write out weekly yeah. goals or, you know, but when when you get to cross out that last one, you feel so accomplished. And it's at that point that you're just like, I can do anything with the rest of my day and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. And I don't have to feel bad about, you know, if you're going to sit on the couch and veg for the last like three hours of your day, you don't have to feel bad about that. Why? Because you finished everything. For your entire day that's what tickles my fancy that's a good one man that's a great one yeah i love it so jimmy it's time for the second topic of the day yes we wanted to talk about conflict and conflict resolution because this i feel is a big I don't want to say problem, but I mean, it's obviously something that everybody deals with. Yeah. Whether it be on a daily basis or a weekly basis, you know, it's all, it's all something that we all deal with in our lives. It's definitely one of those things that a lot of people have trouble with as well. It's not something that people can, that people manage easily for the most part. Well, it's one of those things that nobody ever teaches you how to fight. No. You know, you know nobody ever says this is how you fight you know you hear that people are meant to fight yeah like people disagree and people have those uh dilemmas but it can be so much more constructive and so much more healthy than just a fight you know you can have positive outcomes from negative situations i mean the one that i think of the best is taylor and i were having a bit of a disagreement about something to do with the podcast. I can't remember at the time what it was, but both of us got a bit heated, but thankfully it was over text. So we were able to kind of calm down, write out what we wanted to say and then send it. And then the other one was able to respond in the same kind of way. Usually from what I found over text ends up getting misconstrued and everybody kind of gets angrier, but the way it just worked out, we both, kind of tried to come from a respectful spot and like understand where the other one was coming from. And it really worked out and we, we figured it out and we kind of come, came to a compromise where we did whatever it was. I, I honestly can't remember right, right now what it was, but yeah, I usually text is so backwards because there's yeah. no, there's no way. Cause I think body language is such an important one and there mm-hmm. is no body language in that situation. You know, have you ever seen that? Uh, Key and Peel skit where he they're texting and it's about meeting up at the bar later and the one guy is uh, 
texting and he's like yeah you know like whatever man like it sounds good and then the other guy on the other side is like whatever man you don't care and he's just totally reading it wrong and so when they plan on meeting up at the bar the one guy goes in and he's all pissed off and he's all heated and the other guy's like hey man like super happy and realizes at that moment that the conversation was seen very differently from both perspectives yeah, I've actually, I have seen that one, but I totally forgot about it until just now. That's a yeah. good one. Yeah, it's, I think it's a great example. Yeah, those guys are hilarious. So funny. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things to do with conflict, you know, is everybody fights differently. Mm-hmm. And because we all come from different places, we all were brought up differently, and we all see conflict in different light, you know? If you see your parents, you know, say you have physically abusive parents, maybe they didn't abuse you, but maybe they abused each other, then you witness that and you think it's okay to hit, right? You think that's like subconsciously that's becomes normal to you. And so that becomes what you see from a young age is going to influence how you argue and it's important to recognize that and, you know, question maybe why you are the way you are. And because, I mean, if you and another person fight regularly, then there's obviously something that's not connecting. And it's one of the one thing that everybody likes to do is just point the finger. Everybody likes to point the blame at the other person. But that's that's not healthy either like you yeah know, we all have our flaws and you know the it takes two to tango right you you always got to think that you know it's not just the other person putting their foot forward you're putting your foot forward too and if you want to come to a healthy resolution within the conflict you got to find a way to you know show some empathy and maybe look at it from their side of things you know, put put your foot in their shoe and just kind of see if you can kind of come at it from another angle where you might be able to, you know, just see it from a new light and see if you can come to a resolution that way. I think the, the biggest, the most important part of that, too, is is listening to what they have to say instead of just listening until you have a moment to speak. So you have to listen to what they're saying and and try and figure out why they're saying what they are saying so that you can gain a better understanding of how they're feeling what they want to accomplish with what they're saying and then move on from there because i've found that a lot of people when they end up arguing they're arguing the same points in a different way and really if they just listen to one another they'd understand that they both agree on the subject but they're just saying it differently that's one of the things i find a lot that happens when i'm yeah. listening to people argue yeah it becomes a you did this thing right yeah like, and what like if you can I'll, i'm going to give everybody a little tip here if you get an argument with someone and all you can say is you know you did this or you did that you're you're not doing it right because you're accusing the other person and that automatically puts them on the defense mm-hmm. even you know if they hurt your feelings then you know you need to find a way to 
word it. But when you're attacking someone and you're saying you, 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 yeah, you know, then you you're not accounting for anything. You're not accounting. You're not taking any accountability, and that becomes an issue, right? And the other thing to keep in mind too, and I always do this when I when I'm observing someone or when I'm observing a conflict of sorts, is as soon as another person starts yelling, they're not interested in the truth. They're interested in winning. Yeah. And so as soon as that person starts yelling, you know that it's not going to be productive at that point. Don't yell back because, again, you're just feeding into that negative emotion. And that's not what we want. We want we want to find a healthy way to find a way to that resolution. Exactly. That's one of the problems when I when I find I'm in an argument, I my voice gets loud. Um, so one of the things I've been working on is trying to remove the emotion out of it and sit down, speak calmly, and try and get to the to the reasoning of the, the, the argument instead of saying, well, this is why I want this and say this, et cetera, et cetera. I try and come from, well, here's how I feel. Here's why. What do you have to say about that? And then hear what they say and continue on. Um, one of the, the tricks that I've learned... Um, from different like counseling kind of stuff. I've never been in counseling, but just different things I've read is one of the best conflict resolution type things is to, instead of placing blame, you say, I feel, and you start your sentences like that. So it's putting everything on yourself and how you feel instead of this is how you made me feel. When I was younger, actually, uh, my mom told me that nobody can make you feel a certain way. You just start you just feel that way and it's your choice to feel that way. You can stop and think and say, why do I feel that way? What's going on? And then figure it out from there. But you do have the choice to stop, let yourself calm down, think about what's happening and why you, your emotions have been triggered in such a way. I think that's so awesome because yeah. it's true because, you know, uh, it's your reality. Like, this is your world. This is your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, I like I, I always think about drivers on the street. And when somebody, like, if I'm driving and, and I get mad at somebody, say, cut me off, you know, I'm getting mad because, not because the other person, I mean, I, I am getting mad because the other person did that, but I'm allowing myself to get mad. And so, really, you know, it's just, I'm letting other people affect my feelings and my emotions, which, totally. you know, in those situations is not helpful at all. Right. And so I think that's awesome. You know, that if you can learn to uh, take a step back and evaluate, you know, your own emotions and kind of see, understand or try and gain some perspective on why you feel a certain way. And if you can translate that to somebody in a certain way, you know, like you said, I feel this way. You know, people are a lot more likely to listen when, because when you can take accountability for how you feel, you know, you're not placing blame, then that then that just opens up the conversation to so much more dialogue. I think that that's really important as well for staying in the moment, so that you can, you are aware of like how you're feeling at the time and how you were feeling when this happened, but staying in the moment in terms of not bringing in other things that have happened 
that you've thought about or whatever it is, those things you can come up with later, you can talk about later, bring up in another situation. But if you're fighting about one thing, try and keep it to that one thing, solve it, go get past it, get over it and continue on with your life. It's, it's really important to not try and like, oh, I lost that fight. So I'm going to try and win this fight and also bring in that other one. So I feel like I won that as well. It's a really big problem that I find a lot of people have where they they say, well, blah, 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 I'm upset about this. And also, three years ago, you did this. And it's it's kind of stupid to bring up that kind of stuff because it's, it's in the past. It happened. Yeah, you might have to deal with it. But that's a time you can sit down and say, hey, this still bothers me. It's still I still feel like something's wrong here with this situation. But don't bring it up in the middle of an emotional argument when you're already feeling upset. No, you need to try and address those things when they happen. Yeah. You know, I think that happens. I think it happens a lot more frequently than we like to admit. You know, it's pretty common with males and the uh, stigma that we have around us and that we're supposed to be big macho men and bury our emotions. And then when we get into conflicts we don't like to address those emotions we just prefer to bury them and then what happens is you get into a conflict later on maybe with the same person or another person and then you know that that built up negativity is in there and that and that's when you'll do exactly that that you said jimmy you'll you'll get into a fight over this, but you're bringing up that thing from three years ago. I think it's also important to, th- to, to think about um, that conflict doesn't always need to be solved right away. Uh, because in those moments, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of anger. Like you said, a lot of people push that anger down or whatever it is. And sometimes it can be explosive when you get to those points. So it's kind of good to take a, take a breath, take maybe a break, Say, hey, this bothers me, but I can't talk about it right now. Can we, can we set aside some time later to maybe talk about this? Um, just so that you can come at the situation knowing what's going, what's going on and that you have to talk about something, that you need something to be changed, whatever it is. So you can kind of come from a more calm state of mind, somewhere more, more analytical than emotional. And... Yeah, I think some of those really important things we, just to remember when, argue, when arguing is don't point that finger. Um, be a listener more than a talker. So try and listen to what they're saying instead of just listening to a, for a break in the conversation where you can throw in your piece. Um, reiterate what the person said so that you can try and if, if what you're saying back to them doesn't, isn't tr- what they're trying to get across, then maybe there's a miscommunication there. And you can work on that before continuing on and acknowledge how the person feels because you don't get to choose how you make another person feel or how they feel at the time, but you do get to acknowledge how they feel and you can, and you can see how your actions and what sort of things happen actually trigger a person and things like that. So it's good to acknowledge those moments. I want to emphasize the importance on reiterating what the other person is saying because that will make them feel understood. That's 
I think a common thing, you know, is you don't listen to me. You don't listen to what I have to say. And so when you can reiterate what the person is saying, that will do exactly that. They will have a chance to try and make it clear on what it is that they are trying to say, if maybe you understood them. It shows that you're listening. It shows that you care. And it also just makes them feel understood and that's a lot of the time what people want is they just want to be understood and that's why when you point that finger and you point that blame you're trying you're trying to tell that person how you feel because you want to be understood but you're not doing it in a way that is really going to that you know nobody's going to be able to understand it because everybody's all heated and everybody's on the defensive so, uh, with that being said, do your best to show some empathy and listen to people and don't just attack people and really think about ways that you can come up with better ways of resolving the issues and don't just bury them because that stuff will come back to haunt you in the future. If you're going to blame people for all the shit, you better blame them for all the good too. Topic three for the day. Jimmy, we have our Patreon question from our number one supporter, Paul Wonderboy. Paul Wonderboy. <laughs> Paul asks, how come friendships between guys often look so much different than friendships between girls? Now, I need you to clarify the question for me, Jimmy, because... Okay. I can't say i fully understand the question like the angle that he's coming from so so i think he's looking at it from like two separate groups of one group just females how their friend group looks and what they do um compared to a group of males and how they interact and what they do um for example like how guys will just like rip on each other for whatever it is whatever happens and then maybe even like maybe even have a physical fight about it and then five minutes later be like, cool, let's go hang out and drink a beer. Whereas girls, one of them will say the wrong thing and they won't talk to each other or something. I don't really know how that fully works. But yeah, I think it's just like the different dynamics between those two genders is what he's trying to ask. Well, I don't know if there is much of a difference. I mean, I I feel like those are all stereotypes. Yeah. I feel like when you when you break it down, people are people. And I think if in that sense, you know, I think the s- small difference I think if you if you're wondering why, like why are they different? I would probably say hormones. Hormones? Yeah, like literally, you <laughs> I know. I think it's also t- comes- testosterone and estrogen and then just the the common interests that people share, you know, guys are more likely to play say sports and girls are more likely to go hang out and do their makeup or whatever, you know, that's obviously not, Mm -hmm. uh, they're not exclusive to each other, but they're uh, more common to the certain genders. I think that comes down more into like, instead of stereotypes, it's more like gender norms and like what your gender role is supposed to be. So it's not like that you, it's not that you uh, are very different in terms of thinking processes and things like that, but it's that you're told this is how you're supposed to act, 
This is how you're supposed to be. This is the kind of stuff you're supposed to be. And those stereotypes, they influence how you end up acting because that's how you're told you're supposed to be as a male or a female. You're told, yeah, you're supposed to be catty and angry at your friend for saying your butt looks big in those jeans or whatever it is. Or you're a male, so you're supposed to fight about it and then be cool with it at the end. So I think those are really big differences just because of the gender norms and the things that we're told we're supposed to do. I was actually watching Letterkenny. It's a great new uh, Canadian TV show. It's in their second season. They're filming their third right now. Brilliant writing, in my opinion. Super funny. Great show. It's on Crave TV. Just a little plug there. We don't get paid for or anything, but super interesting. And I was watching, and all of a sudden it clicked, and I realized that there's two kind of main groups in the show. There's like the four main characters, which is three farmers kind of thing, and the sister of the main character, Wayne. And through that, it's, it's kind of like the female being part of the guys. And, and it's like they're trying to be, she's trying to be one of them or is one of them kind of thing, doing guy things and saying different, whatever it is. And then you see this other group where it's like the hockey players and the skids and, and also Katie, the, the sister of Wayne. And they, those, those males act more as females stereotypically would where um, one of the one of the skids, Stuart, is he, when dating Katie at one point, gets to this point where he's angry at her, and so he does this silent treatment thing, and she just says to him, like, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you just tell me what's wrong? And I was kind of watching, and I was like, well, these guys in the first group, they're definitely like, just be straight with me, be normal, like, just get to the point. They're always saying that, basically. Get to the point. Just do do what you got to do. And the other guys, they're like, well, meh. And they're kind of... They, they act a lot differently than a normal, stereotypical male would in terms of... They, they want all this attention, but then when they get it, um, they realize other people are seeing these things and all these different stuff. But it's a kind of a cool thing to go and watch and, and look at it in terms of the gender groups just to see how these different groups act and look at if they're more stereotypical to what gender. I just thought it was really uh, kind of a cool thing. After we got this question, I kind of noticed it. That show's so interesting, the way they feed into social stigmas and, uh, you know, like you said, the gender roles and the stereotypes mm-hmm. and the, the different cliques and the way they just play each other. Yeah, the way they play off of each other and the writing and everything like that. That show really is something else. It's really interesting. Uh, you had just showed it to me last week. So it was. Yeah, it was super cool. If you have the time, go check it out. And it's really, I think, worth watching. And you'll pick up on a lot of uh, interesting social cues and the way people act and puts things in a, a certain perspective. So I, I found it quite enlightening. Yeah, it's definitely one of those ones I could watch over and over again and have. Yeah, I get why, yeah. for sure. So, Jimmy, what is the listener challenge for this week? Tell us some of your bad habits and what you've done to try and correct for the, to correct them. Or tell us some habits that you've been trying to work on 
a new habit that you're trying to implement in your life and your success in doing so and your your method of doing so as well. And send those to us via email or whatever it is. And yeah, super easy listener challenge this week. You just got to tell us about some bad habits or good habits and how you're working on them. Make some changes for the better. We're just trying to make your life more positive. Try to make life easier, man. Totally. Try to make it try to make it easier on everyone, you know. Everybody's struggling, everybody's fighting through these days and the craziness that is on planet Earth and you know, I I think if we can just share it a little bit and just help people and just tell them a little bit of information that might make life just a little bit easier, then I'm happy. Definitely. So we've got an artist of the week. His name is Sean Patton. He is a good friend. We played sports with Sean. We went to school with Sean. He's always been an artist and a musician, and he's a fantastic person. Sean is so great. And so we ask that you go support him and that you listen to his new EP. It is on Spotify. The description will be in the link below. So you can check it out there. It's called Things You Didn't Want to Hear. He he pours his heart and soul into it, Mm -hmm. and he recognized it right away. We'll be playing his song right after this, Quell, by Sean Patton. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us today. We look forward to being here with you next week. Stay tuned for another great episode on the Roots of Life podcast. Stay weird. Have a good week, everyone.
forces are so hard to quell There's a winner in the smile of a humble life A crack of thunder can arise in the summertime So I'll be all over There's a trigger in my mind I can come alive all And blow my brains out on the riverside so I'll be